Hello and welcome to the Swim Brief. I am Chris DeSantis and this is the second edition of How We Train for Life, Trevor and Chris. And we started this podcast series last week, last Tuesday. We did a whole podcast on what we do to train and uh, talk through some of our goals. And this week, Trevor, we decided we were going to talk a little bit more about nutrition, right? You ready to ready to talk nutrition? Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, for those of you who uh, are listening for the first time, I'm Chris DeSantis, Trevor Gray with me here. Trevor is, um, uh, in my opinion, a, a world-class master swimmer, a great swim coach, a professor of uh, nutrition. So actually we're stepping right into his wheelhouse today with what we're going to be talking about. And um, Trevor, I, I sent you a little outline and I was like, I'm going to go right after like topic one, what does Trevor eat? And then what did you say to me in response? I said, I'm going to tell you that I should not be telling people what I eat because what I eat is working for me and what I eat may or may not work for some, someone else. And you just, no one should be telling you what to eat. And so yeah. what I was going to do is outline some guidelines that people should be following. I think, I think that's great. I think that's really what I wanted to do anyway. I mean, I, and I, I think you give me the opportunity to say something that I didn't say on the first podcast, which is. I know that um, we have a diverse audience for this. I know that there are some parents that listen to this. I know we have coaches that listen to this. And actually, I know that people that I used to coach in swimming listen to this. And um, so we have an impressionable audience. And I think one of the really important caveats I want to uh, say to everybody from the beginning is the purpose of what we're doing here is not to give you some cookie cutter, like, here's what we do. You should do the same thing as us. We actually want to give you insight into the decision-making process that we use to decide to th do the things that we're doing. Because what I hope that people get out of this is some new tools for making better decisions for themselves, not copying, pasting what we're doing here, but a better idea of how am I going to figure out how to approach these various situations that I find myself in and and in, in going after my own goals. So why don't we get right into it? Like what, what are the considerations you do, uh, you, you take in order to decide like, Hey, what am I going to eat <laughs> in okay, any so given week? Four, easy. There's four pillars of nutrition that everyone needs to follow for longevity. And I'm going to give them up front and then we're going to go over each one. And okay. in no particular order, they are variety, moderation, color and enjoyment or fun slash enjoyment. And we'll talk about those as well. So let's go over each one. Okay. okay. So Chris, my question to you is let's just go over, let's take a variety first. How many nutrients do you think the body needs per day to function at an optimal level? So first of all, we need to distinguish between a disease state and optimal level. So yeah. we know that let's use swimming as an analogy the local swimmer at the pool who never swam as a kid and can maybe do a 25 in one minute or slower maybe right let's take them as a disease state no offense against those people but and then no you offense have... if you go one minute in a 25 but that's not <laughs> it's not 
it's not an advanced stage, let's say, of swimming competitively. Correct. Right. And then you have people who swim competitively. And then you have people who, let's just fast forward, make nationals and are at trials right now. And then you have the top eight. The difference between making trials and the top eight, big difference. The difference mm. between the top two, pe people who make worlds and the top eight, big difference. People who place at worlds opposed to qualifying, big difference, right? So there's a scale and the level of skill is almost probably exponential, not exponential, it's at least linear in terms of the higher, the, the, the higher, uh, the faster you swim, right? And so the same analogy can be applied to swimming. If you are not getting all the nutrients you need, then you are going to be in a disease state. This is called a micronutrient deficiency uh, disease. And if you get all the nutrients you need, then you're going to be in an optimal state. Okay, so back to my question, how many nutrients do we need to be in an optimal state to thrive? What would you say? I should How know many? this because because I'm skipping ahead. I know we're going to get to chronometer later, and you have had me go log my um, my eating through chronometer several times, and I know that chronometer tracks um, both macro and micronutrients. And I assume we're yeah. talking about micronutrients here. All of them. We're talking about all of them. Okay, so you know there's four so, macros, right? Exactly. Water, carbs, protein, lipids, or fats, right? Exactly. And then there's a whole bunch of micronutrients. So would you say what, at least 50? You need 50 nutrients a day to be healthy? I'm guessing it's maybe even between 50 and 100. That'd be my guess. Okay, yes, it's 100. It's in the hundreds. Now, Ooh. it's not known exactly how many we need because we'll talk about phytochemicals coming up. But you need to function at an optimal level for longevity, literally hundreds of micronutrients and macronutrients per day to function at an optimal level. Are you getting those every day? Did you get enough B6 this morning from breakfast? Did you get enough iron and copper and calcium yesterday in last night's dinner? Did you get all those for optimal functioning? You have no idea. So how do we get all these nutrients? How do we get the literally hundreds of nutrients we need a day for optimal functioning? And it is with variety. Mm. Now, here's my next question to you. What do you see on the interwebs of people telling you what to eat? Do they say, you need to eat this and that and take away this and that. Yeah. You see that frequently. Yeah. Don't eat yeah, this. A lot of eat, restriction. Yeah. Restriction. Then, do but not do this. Eat, yeah. Do not eat gluten. Do not eat milk. Don't eat animal products. Uh, don't, don't eat, eat carbs. Fiber, don't eat carbs. Right. You see all these restrictive. Um, I, I, I was going to say restrictive uh, advice, but it's not advice at all. Okay. So flip that. What's the other side of that coin? What can you add into your diet? Because we need hundreds of nutrients per day, you need to increase the variety of foods you eat. And that includes everything. Grains, fruits and vegetables, meats, dairy, uh, even sweets. We'll talk about that coming up. You need to start incorporating. The average person eats about 25 to 30 foods in a given week. That is it. And it has been shown that our ancestors ate hundreds of different varieties a week. When Before the invention of refrigerators, we were eating plants and animals and bugs and um, anything we can get our hands on because the food wasn't everywhere. And so we would just eat everything. And that variety was actually beneficial for us because we were getting the hundreds of chemicals we needed per day. So add in. Instead of eating the same 30 or so foods per week, can you bump that up to 40 or even mm. 50? 
start increasing your variety. Now, as a disclaimer here, we are not talking about pathology or um, allergies on this podcast. So if you have a right. milk allergy, you're lactose intolerant, obviously don't <laughs> include that into your diet, right? Right. If you have celiac disease, it is good to restrict gluten. <laughs> yes, you have to restrict gluten. Okay. Yeah. So we're not talking about people with allergies or some sort of sensitivity. Um, we're just right. talking about a normal diet. Yeah. Now, if you have ethical concerns about eating animal products, also don't, don't do that. Is it healthier to eat animal products? In my opinion, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Do we eat? Do some people eat too much? Sure. But again, just variety. Okay. So that's number one variety. Any questions there before I move on to the next one? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just getting self-conscious as I'm listening to it because I, I do think like I am one of those people who just wants to eat the same things on the same day. Like I've got rotations going on, you know, like, and um, I don't know. I'd have to look at it to really give an idea of how much yeah. variety there actually is for me. Because I just like to start. find stuff that I like and then just eat that. Yeah, we all do. We all do that. <laughs> I do that. Um, yeah. So start being more mindful. How many different foods are you eating, actually? Right. Right. I um, have no idea one, what my, my answer to that question is. So you've made me think already, Trevor. One easy one to do, go to the spice section at your local mm. grocery store. Just buy all the spices and start adding spices. Spices um, are very, very good for you. And that's one way to increase your variety. Yeah, great. Okay, next, color. There's two classes. Let's say there's two classes of nutrients. Nutrient-rich or nutrient-dense foods and nutrient-deficient or nutrient-absent foods. Okay, so right. what would be a nutrient-absent food? Coke, right? Just caramel color, water, sugar. That's it. Maybe some salt in it, right? No, yeah. There is literally zero nutrients in Coke. Right. White bread's another one. Uh, they take out all the micronutrients of white bread, so it has a long shelf life. So hardly any nutrients in there, generally. Your nutrient-deficient foods are your tans, browns, and whites. Those are the ones. Should you still consume these things? Sure. A Coke, if you, Chris, if you drink a Coke uh, this afternoon, are you going to die? No. No. You're not going to die. You're going to be totally fine. Your body can handle the Coke, no problem. It is the daily ingestion of Coke, day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, decade in, decade out, that is causing people harm. Right. One cigarette is not going to harm you. Now, am I telling people to go smoke cigarettes? Of course not. <laughs> Yeah. But your body can handle it just fine. Nothing's going to happen, right? right? You're not right. going to get cancer in two hours if you smoke a cigarette. Okay, so those are nutrient-deficient foods. So what do nutrient-rich foods look like? Color. When was the last time you ate yellow? When was the last time you ate red? Purple? Blue? Green? I bet you ate some green recently. I had, I had grapes today. So I had grapes today and I had strawberries yesterday. So I got purple and red down. So I know that for sure. What, five or six colors of the rainbow, you got two of them, right? Now, you do not need to eat the rainbow every day, but you do need to eat weekly every color in the rainbow. This mm. ensures that you get all the micronutrients, you the hundreds of micronutrients you need uh, on a weekly basis for optimal health. So eat color. 
Yeah. I w- there's where I would intercede. Like, uh, you talked about micronutrients and I, I just like, I, I makes me curious. I want to understand something. And that is, you know, like I can, I can drive myself crazy, right. Going like, Oh my God, there's, there's hundreds of micronutrients every day. Like, am yep. I getting them every day? But I think part of what I'm hearing from you is that like your body finds a way to function yeah. and even function well, even if you don't get the exact amounts in every 24 hour period, right? It's like it has some capacity for different micronutrients to store, right? Store that stuff or synthesize it from other things or anything. But like generally, you know, over the course of long blocks of time, getting those nutrients in, that's what's important. Yeah, please do not obsess over making sure you get all the hundreds of micronutrients because you can't do it. It's impossible. Yeah. Yeah, so you would do you nothing the, else but but obsess over what you ate. <laughs> right. As long as you eat these, uh, or, sorry, as long as you follow these four pillars, you'll be totally fine. The body will figure out the rest. So variety yeah. and color, if you really follow those, you'll, you'll be doing a great job. Now, there's okay. an asterisk at the end of that sentence that we'll talk about in chronometer a, a little bit later. Yeah. Um, but, let, but let's continue on to the next one. Next, moderation. Now, athletes, this isn't really a problem. Um, because we need higher amounts of nutrients because our metabolic rates are so much higher because we're exercising. But for the average person, they need to follow moderation. And really, so do we, because um, could an athlete technically get away with eating a whole sleeve of Oreos? Sure. Should you? Probably not. And we'll talk about Oreos here coming up in a second, but we need to still follow moderation. Not too much, not too little of all the color and all of the variety that we're supposed to be eating. Now, uh, you go to a barbecue in the summer and you eat a ton of meat, right? Is that fine? Totally fine. That's totally fine. But you don't want to overdo the meat or fruits and vegetables or dairy or any of it. You don't want to eat too much. Do you know that water is poisonous? You can die (laughs) from too much water. Drinking too much water, right. It's called hyponatremia. And so with the basic functionality of water in our body, if you consume this basic nutrient too much, you could die from it. Then that tells you that every single micronutrient can be too much or too little. And that's what moderation means. As long as you just do the variety and color and moderation, you'll be fine. Yeah. And I think you bring up. Don't get stuck in what the 30 foods that you've been eating or 10, 20 foods you've been eating. Go ahead. Right. And I think you, you, you point out a good piece of this, like, you know, I think for athletes and I certainly fell into this camp, especially when I was a collegiate athlete, like I was, um, I was a bit of a dining hall legend for like how I would just put away some of the really pretty unhealthy food that they were serving up in my college dining hall. And, you know, like, but I very much had the attitude that I was later confronted with as, as a coach, when I was at Georgia tech, my attitude was sort of being like, yeah, well, but like, I'm an athlete, like, you know, like I need a lot of, you know, fuel and like, I'm pretty skinny and like, you know, who cares. Right. Um, and I, I think when I finally saw this, uh, the flip side of this was coaching a kid at Georgia tech. And I remember him looking at me being like, it's not a problem that I eat dessert after lunch and dinner every day. Like I got, you know, my body fat was 7% on the bod pod. Like I'm good. And I go, yeah, well, let's not take that one piece of data and say that is like, that is determinative of whether your nutrition is good, that you have low body fat, right? Like, 
you're 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 not necessarily you're not doing a bodybuilding competition. You're actually trying to train really, really hard. And it's possible that the way that you are eating is not putting you in the best optimal state to train the way you want to train. Yeah, right? And I think that's have... sort of the. Go ahead. Go ahead. Could he have performed at an even higher level if he exactly. ate better? Yeah, probably. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, okay. So that's moderation, which actually you bring up a good point because that segues into the last one is fun and enjoyment. Okay. We live in a time and era where we have cookies and cakes and ice cream, and we can gorge on these amazing foods that are manufactured for us. We should 100% enjoy these things. Absolutely. We didn't have Oreos 150 years ago and they're right. amazing. Dip them in milk. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What a joy. Enjoy yeah. your food. Please don't demonize anything. If you enjoy a Coke once in a while, you're fine. Your body can handle it just fine, especially if you're exercising. Um, it'll have a great, uh, a much less impact, a greater um, uh, reduction in the impact of that Coke that it has on your body. So when you go out to a restaurant once in a while, yeah, order the thick soups. And if you're 21 and over, drink some alcohol. It's okay. Order the fries, order the burger, eat the great stuff that these restaurants can prepare for us because it's amazing. Don't right. go to a restaurant and order a salad and that's it. Like get the best meal on there. That's what you're there for. And then the other 75% of the time, if you're following variety and color, you're fine. You're, you'll, be, you'll be just fine. Yeah. So enjoy, enjoy your food. Yeah. And I think actually you, with that one, you, you provide a segue into some of what I want to talk about, because I think this one is so important in, in terms of the psychology of nutrition. Like I am not a professor of nutrition, right? I, I definitely know that in our conversations, like I don't walk around with the same knowledge um, of like sort of the downstream consequences of every single thing that I could potentially eat or how I set up my diet and stuff. But like, I think most of us have a pretty good idea. Like it wouldn't be, it's pretty accessible to us. What would be better than what we're doing? Like it's not, it's not rocket science to figure out um, ways to improve like how you're eating. But one of the things I can say that I have learned over the years, and it just sort of goes along with my basic philosophies for how I coach people is like just a, a strategy focused on restriction is destined to fail. Like, right. because it, it, you know, like if you just go like, I will pretend that Oreos do not exist. Like, and that is how I will just never eat one. Like you're putting so much brain power into not doing something. And what that does is you only have so much attentional focus that you can put into things. And if you put, if you drive all that intentional focus into not doing something, well, then you mm. don't have a lot left over mm. for the things you want to do. Mm -hmm. And so the, the key, and I think my, my sort of tenet that goes along with this last point is, you know, find a way to give yourself what you want, right? So that, that will mean that sometimes, yes, you do eat these super palatable foods that, you know, you know, if you were to eat them all the time, yeah, they wouldn't, it wouldn't be a add up to a good, like optimal nutrition for you, but find a way to actually set yourself up to where you go. Yeah. Okay. Here's my goals. Here's the state I want to be in. Here's what I want to do. And so I'm, I'm observing things, right? Like 80%, 75%, whatever of the time that 
make it no big deal for me to then indulge at another moment, right? And then, then you're not actually focused on restriction. In fact, all the time you're letting yourself do what you want, right? And your, your motivation for doing something like that is just going to be so much higher than saying, I will not do X. Um, it just, it's just not a long-term strategy for success. Right. I agree. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think, I think I had, I definitely segued out of that from, um, I caught the, the wave of the keto diet fad. I would say it must've been probably at least 10 years ago. Um, and I was a, I was a susceptible target for it because actually like eating keto, um, you know, which was, which is basically like, as I understood it, you know, a focus on restricting carbs. Um, it wasn't that hard for me to restrict because I didn't love, um, I didn't love like a lot of carbohydrate based foods. I loved proteins and fats. So like, you know, the idea that I would eat mostly, uh, uh, proteins and fats as my micronutrients, that sounded pretty nice to me. Um, and, uh, I had a feeling like it worked for some time. Um, but looking back on it, like now I just say like, I really had no idea what I was doing. Right. right. I wasn't tracking anything. I wasn't thinking about anything except for honestly, like, you know, what my weight would be on a scale. Um, I had no athletic goals whatsoever. And that's actually a key piece of it because, um, it, it kept me in a state where I wasn't training very much because like I couldn't, Right. <laughs> I you simply on a ketogenic diet, I could, did not have the energy to train. So it was, it was quote unquote, I guess, good for keeping my weight as a, as a data point relatively lower at a time when I wasn't exercising very much, but like, was that really what I wanted? Right. right? I don't, I, I eventually I decided no. Um, and uh, I think I think about that now every time I, you know, I think of keto is just an example, but I think about that every time I see somebody, you know, as you say, like the influencers online and you're, you're getting this message of like, do this, don't do that. Right. That's they're all a variation of that. And I, I see scant other like actual education about how you might yourself come up with a plan for for optimizing what it is you want to do. Right. Um, which is why we don't tell people what to eat. Why professors right. say you can't eat this, you should eat that. Because does the a plant-based ketogenic diet work for some people? Absolutely, 100%. Does the carnivore diet work for some people and somehow they're able to keep their blood work triglycerides low? Absolutely. And if they're right. thriving, then they should keep doing that. Now, the majority right. of people won't, won't be working on it, but this is why we don't, because uh, <clears throat> how we function biochemically inside is as different as we look on the outside. And so some right. people are going to thrive on those diets, which is why we can't tell people what to eat. But you bring up a good point because you shouldn't change your diet until you have a data point. You're like, looking back, I had no idea what I was doing. Okay, well then, right. how about we get some data first and then you start the diet and then take some data again and see what happens. Now the right. gold standard of that is a full blood work, but not everyone has the time or money to get full blood work and analyze it all. 
But there is one thing we could do that's pretty useful, and that's use a diet tracking app. And there's a number of them out there. I'm most familiar with Chronometer, C-R-O-N-O-M-E-T-E-R. And um, yep. they're not a sponsor or anything. Maybe they should be, but they're not a sponsor. And I have a class project every quarter where everyone tracks their diet for seven days. And I've been you know, doing this for five or plus years now. I have yet to encounter someone who is getting the bare minimum micronutrient of all hundred nutrients. And really it only tracks about 50 or so. Yeah. I have yet to meet anyone that is meeting the bare minimum let alone the optimal level, which is somewhere over the RDA. We actually don't know what the optimal level is for anyone. Right. A hundred percent of students are low and deficient in some sort of micronutrient and or macronutrient sometimes. Uh, protein is usually the one. Too much fat, too little protein. Uh, I have yet to meet uh, any student that is not deficient in something. Now, there's three levels of deficiency real quick, real quickly. There is subclinical, no symptoms, except there is one. I don't feel quite right. That's it. Right. That's what the subclinical deficient, I, I don't feel quite right. You're, you're most likely low in something. And then there's covert symptoms, which requires blood work and says, oh, your blood work of vitamin D is below 20 nanograms per deciliter. Yeah, you need to go on a vitamin D supplement, start getting outside a little bit more. And then there's overt symptoms where rashes and your tongue is red or something is going on. I don't know the pathology. I've never studied pathology, but you have an overt uh, symptom and you need to go to the hospital for this nutrient right. deficiency. And so um, I would say most Americans are deficient in something. In fact, uh, Dr. Wallace just published the U.S. Uh, Department of Health and Human Services 20 to 25 uh, dietary guidelines. 95% of Americans were low in vitamin D and magnesium mm. and calcium and fiber was all on that list. So if you want to know where you're currently at, start recording your diet for seven days. Why seven days? Because our dietary habits change on the weekend. We usually, I don't know, some people probably eat better, but usually we eat a little worse because socializing right. and stuff like that. So we want to reflect that. And if you want to, um, if you want to have me analyze your diet analysis after seven days, you can contact me and I'd be happy to do that for you for the first, you know, five or 10 people that, that do that. I'd be happy. All right, let's let's keep things. the, let's keep the offer at five. Um, okay. but Trevor, uh, 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 in light of what you've just said, so five, five people can, um, uh, track their diets for a week. You can uh, submit them to Trevor. He'll, he promises to email you back. And we're going to debut a brand new feature here on the Swim Brief. We actually have an email address. So swimbriefpodcast at gmail.com. And you can submit those. Um, again, the first five people are going to get a response from Trevor. And um, I'm giving that out also as an email for, you know, there's people, I think, out there who listen who want to contact in, who maybe have an idea for something they'd like to hear about in this podcast or my podcast with Joel, whatever. Now you have a place to go with that stuff. Um, I don't know why it took me so long, but uh, <laughs> it's here now. And so we have a real email address, Swim Brief Podcast. S-W-I-M-B-R-I-E-F podcast at gmail.com. And you can send your stuff in there and uh, we'll be monitoring that email address 
um, so that you guys can interact with, with us a bit as we continue doing this podcast. Trevor, any final thoughts um, on the nutrition front that... Uh, uh I, I do have one. Yeah, since we're speaking to a lot of masters athletes, well, and and swimmers as well, it's you got to you got to dial in your protein for numerous mm. reasons. Um, I, I, every athlete needs at least one point five grams per kilogram body weight per day. Uh, if you're over forty, you need to bump that up to two. A lot of athletes need to bump up that up to two, maybe even two point four grams per kilogram body weight per day. Um, if you have more questions about that, uh, message uh, us on that email that Chris just sent out, and uh, we'll we'll figure that out. Yeah, in I've my been... opinion. Yeah. In real quick, in my opinion, no athlete can get the protein requirements they need from food alone. They have to do a protein shake. I've yet to meet an athlete that uh, does not do a protein shake and gets all the protein requirements that they need. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I was thinking about this recently because I, you and I had been communicating back and forth. And again, part of this is that we share this stuff. And I just had an idea, like I was guessing without measuring the data, of course, I was guessing, you know, I go like, I, I, I think I'm hitting, you know, uh, at least two grams of protein per, per kilogram of body weight. Right. Um, Cause I was trying to do that. And I actually sat down for a week and just tracked that one macro pr protein. And I was like, nope, I was way short. It was not short. even close. I was not yep. even close. And um, I am somebody who loves to eat high protein foods. So I kind of believe you when you say it was tough. And I, for the first time in my life, I did cave and um, start taking a protein shake. Cause I, I did, I sat down and looked at like, how much meat, for instance, if I was just going to get protein from like, you know, lean meats, I need to eat at least two pounds a day to get yeah. up to two, two grams per kilogram of body weight. Like that is a lot of food to put in and your mouth. The, the preparation of good uh, cuts of lean meat is very difficult. So the convenience right. of protein shake is also ranked yeah. high on the why you should do that. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a bridge too far for me and my lifestyle. I mean, I, um, I guess probably my, my parting thought is that the, the number one other sort of factor that plays a role for me here is again, like I'm a dad, I actually do most of the food preparation for, um, my family. And, um, you know, I, at, at times I can start thinking like, ah, oh, like this is so hard. Right. Um, but also I, I feel really good because, um, you know, I have, I have a really important role to play in my family. I have, um, you know, uh, I think a lot that I can pass on to my kids that I didn't necessarily get passed on to me um, when I was growing up in terms of some of the principles uh, that we've discussed here. And, um, you know, I grew up as somebody who um, I, I actually got forced into eating a lot of foods when I was a little kid. And so I ended up like being an adult with a, a long list of things I wouldn't eat because, you know, when I finally got control over what it was I could eat, I, I had restricted, restricted, restricted into a small list. So my entire adult life has been about expanding actually the variety of that list and the, the, the kinds of things um, that I will eat. So I, I'm, I'm working on that well in the family, working on that as well in the family context 
and, um, you know, passing on uh, good principles to that and, and being good uh, for my family and setting a good example, right? That includes, yeah, like I do eat some candy. I do drink a soda every now and then, and that's yeah, okay. That's um, yeah. But but I also, um, you know, I'm having vegetables. I'm having green vegetables with dinner every night. Um, I'm I'm eating fruit every day, that kind of stuff. Um, so I, as we I do. will give you, I, you know, we said we're not going to tell people what to eat. I'm, I'm going to challenge you, Chris, to do something here. Oh no! So when, I, hey, we you, didn't discuss this ahead of time, Trevor. What you, what kind of tricks no. are you pulling on me? Next time you go to the grocery store, go buy purple cabbage, okay, and then take a little leaf off the purple cabbage and put it in your protein shake. And there you got some purple. And purple cabbage has one of the highest antioxidant contents of any food. You won't even taste it. And then next week, I want you to report back. We'll report back here how that purple cabbage in your protein shake went. All right. Well, I'm not going grocery shopping for another couple of days, but you are speaking that's to fine. my Danish heart. We, we, that's like a special purple cabbage is like a very oh. special oh, really? traditional dish in Danish cooking. Yeah. So really? Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. My, okay. So we got a week to get some purple cabbage and just get a little leaf and put it in your protein shake. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you to everybody for listening. <laughs> submit your, submit your chronometer. Um, readouts, swim brief podcast at Gmail, send anything you want, guys want to hear about. Um, we're going to keep doing this for, for weeks on end, um, talking about some of the stuff we're doing. Trevor, thank you so much for coming. And, um, I, I, I even though I taught you every day, like I learn something every time we do, um, these podcasts. So, so it's amazing. Uh, thanks for everything. And, uh, we'll be back again next week. See you, Chris.